0: This morning to Galatians chapter 5, and we're going to continue on our trek through the Word of God. I want to draw your attention this morning to uh, verses 16 and 17 we're going to be focusing on. And of course, Paul the Apostle writing to the church in Galatia, and he says this, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. Hmm. Probably one of the hardest things for the average believer to understand is why so many do not seem to grasp the things of the Spirit. As we've been studying through Galatians because Paul's dealing with the issue of false teaching and those type of issues, heresy, those things. One of the things that we have discussed is the strange beliefs that many cults have and why, it's, why is it that they come up with these ideas, these strange, bizarre beliefs? Where did you get that from, Paul said? In reality, it's no different even in the world. What, what do I mean by that? Well... What I mean is that the world, those who are unbelievers or even marginal believers, if there is such a thing, are really no different when it comes to the things of God and those things that are uh, immersed in cults who believe strange and far-fetched things about God. One of the things that I've come to realize over the few short 40-some years I've been doing ministry Is that regardless of the amount of study that one has done, as far as God is concerned or the things of God, people have an opinion. Maybe you've noticed that yourself. Everybody has an opinion about God. If you talk to the average person who has never studied a a, a Bible or ask them, what they think about quantum physics, here's what the difference will be. If they've never studied quantum physics, 90% of the time, if they're an honest person, they'll say, well, you know, Doug, I've never really studied quantum physics. So I can't really give you an educated opinion about that subject because I've never studied it. Yet, if you ask them, what do you think about God? Even though they've never read the Bible or studied theology or anything associated with it, they will go into an extended opinion about what they believe about God and the things about God and the things of the Spirit. Everybody seems to have an opinion. If you ask where they got their belief, where'd you get that belief? What's it based on? I've had people look me in the eye and go, well, it's just what I believe. And I've always said, well, you can believe a pop bottle will save you. But that doesn't mean it's true. You know, your belief should be based on some foundation of fact. What is it that you believe? Why is it that you believe it? Those things are important. But yet so many people seem to have an opinion based on nothing. Now, Paul warned us about this when he wrote to the the Corinthian church. You don't have to turn. I'm going to read it for you. It's 1 Corinthians 2, verse 14 and 15. Here's what it says. You ought to memorize this. It'll it'll save you a lot of frustration. But the natural man, that's a man who does not know God, an unbeliever, receives not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, for they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual, that is he who is born again, judges all things. Yet he himself is judged of no man, or in the Greek it means he's not understood by anybody. Maybe you feel that way. So it's easy to see from Paul what he says here how hard it is to try to explain to people who have no ability to understand the things of the Spirit. It gets frustrating to the believer. It's a lesson, if you will, in futility. And yet, so often I find myself engaged in it. I don't know why. I just, I keep trying. It's like the Lord telling Paul to go to the Gentiles and he kept going to the Jews. You know, he got frustrated. Finally he gave up, but you know. Paul said, neither Can he know them in that verse in Corinthians? You need to take note of that. He didn't say they wouldn't know it, or they're fighting you, or they're resisting you. He said they can't know it. They have no ability to understand the things of the Spirit. Now to you, of course, who are born again, who walk in the realm of the Spirit, it's as plain as the nose on your face when you're talking about these things, about the things of God, the things of the Lord, the things of the Spirit, the Scriptures. You remember the passage when Jesus took His disciples out there, and that's not my notes, I'm going to give it to you for free. He makes a very interesting statement. It says, then opened He their understanding to the Scriptures. Then opened He their understanding. Unless God enlightens you, unless the Lord opens your mind and your heart to the things of God, you're not going to get it. Why? Because you're still natural. Here in Galatians 5, 16, and 17, Paul exhorted us to live after the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit, he says. It's not really an option if you're a child of God. If you want to be happy and fulfilled in the Lord and in your relationship to Jesus Christ, not an option. You, you need to walk in the Spirit. When God created man, He created him as a living Spirit. A lot of people don't, or they fail to realize that. But at that time, man was in complete fellowship with God. In fact, there in Genesis, God said, let us. I love that. Elohim in the Greek or in the Hebrew. Let us. It's the only plural singular word in the Bible. In the Hebrew, it's a very interesting word. English doesn't have anything equivalent to it, really. You is about as close as we can get to that, a plural singular word. You can have a group of people. If I said, hey, you... Somebody would turn around and say, you know, know, thinking I was talking to them. But in the Hebrew, Elohim, plural, singular. Why? Because our God's a trinity. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He said, let us make man in our image. Let us make man in our image. Even the Jews, when we celebrate Passover, we have a candle that we light And it's a braided candle. There's three of them in it. It's all braided together. You ask a Jew, why is that there? And they'll say, it's tradition. They have no idea. But everything on the Passover table points to whom? To Jesus, to God, to the Lord. God is a triune being. He said, let us make man in our image. So often people think that what he meant by that was that he was going to make him in the image that you see in the mirror. I say, God forbid. (laughs) I heard a man one time say that, you know, God's got hands and fingers and feet and toes and mouth, and I went, that's funny, the Bible says God is a spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Remember, it's always in that way, because there is no truth without the spirit. It's always in the spirit and in truth. But God made man, man's trinity, of course, is superior. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, superior, beautiful, close-knit relationship, inseparable, co-equal, co-eternal. There's no explanation for it. Don't ask me to explain it. All I know is what the Word of God says. And I believe it. So many cults have tried to dissemble it because they don't understand it. They don't understand it because 1 Corinthians 2, 14 and 15. But that's what it says. That's what God is. Let us make man Argument. So he made man in the image of God. A triune being. You are a triune being. You were born body, soul, and spirit. That's what you have. Now it's inferior, as you well know. But it is a trinity nonetheless. But it's in that realm of the spirit that God touches us. It's where we have our communion with God is in that realm of the Spirit. That's why Paul says walk in the Spirit. He challenges us to do that. It's something we need to do because it's there in the Spirit that we have communion with God and we find our closeness and our relationship with Him in the Spirit. In the Gospel of John, chapter 4, you remember Jesus said, God is a Spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in, in Spirit and in truth. So when Adam was created, he was created, like I said, a a spirit. He had a spirit, a soul, and a body. But when he sinned against God, his spirit died, as God told him. Thus, the beautiful relationship that God had with man at that particular time, that time when when man, when Adam could walk with the Lord in the cool of the evening, that beautiful, close-knit relationship was severed. God could not fellowship with him, for God cannot and will not fellowship with a man who is dominated by his flesh, because that's what happened. When Adam's spirit died, the Lord told him, in the day that you eat thereof, you shall surely die. And he did. First spiritually, and then eventually he died physically. But he became dominated by his flesh. That's what the temptation of Adam resulted in. The tree that he was tempted by was pleasant, the Bible says, to look at. He he saw that it was good. You know, the fruit was good. And it was pleasant to look at. But the real temptation that Adam suffered from was what the serpent tempted him with. And that was that he would become as wise as God. That's what tempted him. Thus, what John said in his first epistle is absolutely true, that it's the lust of the eyes, or the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. That was Adam's downfall. That's what caused all of our problems, and we'll deal with that when we get to heaven and talk to him about it, if he's there. But the fact is, is that's what caused it. At that moment, they allowed their flesh to become dominated, or the dominant thing in their life. That's what dominated it. Matter of fact, we're told that at that moment that their spirits died, they became aware, they became conscious of their physical problem, that they were naked. So they became conscious of their body and their bodily needs. That became the thing that drove them from then on. God never intended, gang, for us to live that kind of life. Never. When you live after the flesh, you are alienated from God. Because God is a spirit, as the scriptures tell us. And when the emphasis of our lives is on the physical, on the material, our fleshly needs, we are no longer walking in harmony with God. Because God is a spirit, Jesus said. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. But God in his great mercy and in the fullness of time Sent his son Jesus Christ to do for mankind what mankind could not do for himself and to die for man's sins in order that through him you might be born again by the Spirit of God and become again a living spiritual being. You remember when Nicodemus came to the Lord. And I love Nicodemus, you know, he came to Jesus because obviously Jesus was a pretty amazing individual, <laughs> and he saw that. But he came to Jesus, and he kind of used flattery. Maybe you never saw that, maybe, I, maybe I'm reading into it, but I, th- I see it as flattery. He says, oh, master, teacher, we know that thou art a teacher sent from God. Now, no doubt I think he meant it, but he threw it out there. But what did Jesus tell him? Jesus goes right to it, the point And he tells him that you must be born again. And of course, Nicodemus didn't understand. He didn't grasp it. He's going, what are you talking about? Is it Can I go back into my mother's womb and be born again? Jesus said, that's not what I'm talking about. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not, he said, that I say that you must be born again. Always when you read that, Emphasize the word must. You must be born again. When God gives us the ability to place our faith in Jesus Christ and make no doubt that's where it comes from, it's from God. Once God has enlightened you and given you the ability to see your need for the Savior, and and, and you place your faith in Jesus Christ, and in the sufficiency of all that He has done on your behalf. Once you've done that, you are at that moment born of the Spirit. You're born again. Thus your Spirit, which was once dead in trespasses and sins, is then, the Bible says, made alive. Once again, you become a living Spirit. And because it's now alive, you are at that moment conscious of God. And you're conscious now of the things of God and the things of the Spirit. This is why when you try to explain these types of things to unbelievers or even to the pseudo-religious, they don't get it. Because they can't. Once again, we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, right there, he says, but the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God. For their foolishness to him, neither can he know them because they're spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual, he that's born again, Judges all things, yet he himself is judged by no man, who he's not understood by any. What a difference being born again makes when your spirit is woke. That's a new term, isn't it? I hear that all the time. You're woke, being woke. Yet, those who claim that they're woke embrace some of the craziest and most ungodliest things you've ever heard. They're not woke at all. They've simply embraced whatever new craziness the world has offered and they think that that's enlightenment. But the Apostle Paul gave us the best example of what that real born-again experience, that woke experience, is really like. Because our dead spirit, before we knew Christ, walks in enmity, the Bible says, against God. has nothing to do with the Spirit of God. But when our eyes are truly open, as you know, Paul, the apostle, before his conversion, you know, it's, it's always best when you look at Paul to know what he was like before he had his Damascus experience. And here's what he said about his own life before he knew the Lord in Philippians 3.5. I love it because Paul was a Jew. He was a Jew's Jew. And here's what he said. I was circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. As touching the law, of Pharisee. Concerning zeal, persecuting the church. Touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. Wow. Man, he was religious. Wow. Man, he was religious. Before Paul was born again, he was a seriously religious man. Very religious. He was a rabbi respected rabbi. He was a man who sat on the Sanhedrin council. He was a leader of the nation of Israel. Then on his way to persecute the church of Jesus Christ, Paul met the one whom he was actually persecuting. And the Spirit of God struck him to the ground while he was there on the road to Damascus and called him into the service of Jesus Christ. Luke's description of Paul's born-again experience is what I really want you to see. Luke said there in Acts, and it's in in chapter 9, verse 18, but here's what he said. He goes, and immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been scales, and he received sight forthwith and arose and was baptized. Paul was a religious man. And I'm sure he had, had been in the synagogue every chance that he had and every chance he thought he had to be. He was there, but when he came to Christ, when he heeded Jesus' call, he was born again. His eyes were opened. He was woke, but in a very real way. Everything from that moment in his life changed. Everything. The way he saw things, the way he heard things, his whole attitude toward life changed instantaneously at that moment more importantly, his understanding of the Word of God changed. Make no mistake about it, my friends. Paul had been a teacher of the Word. He knew the Word. He was a rabbi, a Hebrew of Hebrews, a Pharisee. He knew the Word, but he didn't know the Word. you understand? He didn't grasp it. He couldn't see it. Why? Because the unbelieving man cannot understand the things of the Spirit. He cannot unless Jesus opens your eyes to it. In fact, there in Philippians, because Paul's life totally changed when he came to Christ, totally. There in Philippians, he goes on and talks about what he thought of his prior life, his religious life. Well, tell us, Paul, what did you think of your religious life after you came to Jesus? Philippians 3, 7 through 11. But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung that I may win Christ and be found in Him not having my own righteousness which is of the law but that which is through the faith of Christ the righteousness which is of God by faith That I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings being made conformable unto His death if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Wow. That's what Paul thought of his former religious life after he was woke. After he was enlightened by the Holy Spirit What a difference being born again makes. Suddenly all things are illuminated, things which before your conversion were a mystery. I'm reminded every time, the Lord just reminded me that so many times I have over the years talked to people, and many people who sit in church I've had come to me and say, you know, I just, I don't really read the Bible because I don't understand it. And that scares me, because it tells me something. Because God is no respecter of persons. Don't ever think that He is. You know, the Word says, He is not. And what He has done for one, He will do for you. Those He has enlightened, if He has called you, then He will enlighten you. You know, Jesus said, I will write my law upon their hearts, and they shall need no man to teach them, know the Lord, for all will know the Lord. Things that you didn't understand before you understand if you're born again. But if you don't understand it, my friends, maybe, maybe you need to ask yourself, what have I done? We talked about it before. So often when you ask people, especially those who are raised in church, who have been sitting in a pew all their life and think that they're born again because they go to church. Well, listen to me, my friends. You can sit in a garage all your life and you'll never be a car. You can go to McDonald's every day of your life and never be a hamburger. You can sit in a theater every time the door is open and you'll never be an actress. And unfortunately, you can sit in church all your life and never be a Christian. Are you woke? Are you walking in the Spirit? Has God really enlightened you? You must be born again, Jesus said. You have to be if you're going to understand the things of God. Ephesians 2, 1 through 5, it says, And you has he made alive. Never forget that that's what Jesus came to do. So often we think Jesus came to make bad people good. Just want a bunch of do-gooders. There's all kinds of do-gooders. The pathway to hell will be paved with do-gooders. Remember Matthew chapter 7. Jesus said, many will come to me in that day saying, Lord, Lord. Didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we cast out devils in your name? And in your name do many wonderful works. I'm sure there's going to be a whole lot of philanthropists that day. And in your name do many wonderful works. They did it in the name of Jesus, my friends. Jesus said, but I never knew you. Because they were never made alive by the Spirit of God. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5, he says, And you has he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, where in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in time past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and our, of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, for His great love wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in sins, has made us alive in Christ. By grace you were saved. Hmm. So God in His great mercy has made us alive in Jesus Christ. And now, spiritually alive, and your spirit is alive in Christ, you now can experience the fellowship of God and the joy that comes with it. Paul said, walk in the Spirit. Walk in fellowship with God. Allow that side of your nature to dominate. Let that be the dominating factor in your life. And if you will, you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. The flesh is not going to rule over you. It's not going to dominate your life. but you'll be dominated by the Spirit and by the things of God. Then he goes on there in Galatians 5.17. He says, For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. Now, here comes the rub. After you're born again, after your Spirit has been made alive, after you've been woke by God, You are walking in newness of life. You will immediately become aware that there is a warfare that's going on in your life. It's actually a striving for the mastery, if you will, of your life. By what will my life be mastered? Will it be mastered by the Spirit or will I allow it to be mastered by the flesh? Now it becomes a choice. If my flesh is the master, then I have the mind of the flesh. That is, I'm constantly minding fleshly things. As we've already seen, the flesh is alienated from God. It cannot know God. The mind of the flesh is really a life of death, and there's nothing profitable in it. But when I allow the Spirit to dominate my life, when I walk in the Spirit, then my mind is on the things of God and on the Spirit of God. In fact, I find myself thinking about God all the time. Maybe you experience the same thing. I wake up in the morning. It's not that I'm holier than anybody else. I'm just the average Joe, Joe, man, when it comes to Jesus Christ. But I find myself walking in the Spirit. I wake up thinking about Him. I go to bed thinking about Him. My whole life is circled around Him, not because I'm a pastor, but it just always has been. We want to walk in the Spirit, to be dominated by the things of the Spirit. When my consciousness is on the things of the Spirit, then my life feels the joy of the Lord and the peace that comes with it. Paul said that there's this warfare, and you won't escape it. You can't escape the warfare because we all are engaged in it. Before you knew God, you were living in the bliss of ignorance. You knew no war. Not a spiritual war. You didn't know that it was going on. You thought everything you did, the stupidity of sin that you wallowed in, as we all did at one time, you thought was perfectly okay. You had no idea until the Lord, as He did Paul the Apostle, opened your eyes to the truth of the Word of God and of the Spirit of God. Now the beauty of being born again, of course, is that you're empowered now by the Holy Spirit. And now I have a choice. I can yield to my flesh and I can justify that any way I want. I can give into the things of the flesh and reap the benefits of it, which won't be good, I can tell you. Jesus said, "So to the flesh of the flesh you reap corruption. So to the Spirit of the Spirit you reap life everlasting. So what are you going to sow to? This battle will be constant. It's something that you're going to battle. The choice will always be there, my friends. Do I walk in the flesh or should I walk in the Spirit? It seems like a no-brainer, but trust me, it's not. You probably already know that. The fact is, many of us who claim the name of Christ often make a conscious decision to walk in the flesh, to walk contrary to the Word of God. I've had people sit in my office, come to me, and ask me for advice on spiritual matters. And I've always said the same thing. All I know is what the Bible says. I'm no great counselor. I hate counseling, to be honest with you. Because I think that anybody who reads their Bible, you've got your best counselor right there in front of you. The Word of God, the Holy Spirit best counselor in the world. But I've had people sit in my office and say, Doug, you know, can you give me some guidance on this? And I'll say, well, let me ask you a question. If I quote you a verse that's in connection with what is going on in your life, will it matter to you? And you might not believe this, but I'm telling you, as God is my witness, I've had people look me in the eye and say, probably not. And my answer's always been the same to him. Well, then I have nothing to offer you. My opinion means nothing. All I know is what the Word of God says, and if you won't listen to that, let me know how that fleshly mindset fares for you in the end. Because you're walking in your flesh. You're not walking according to the Spirit. Walk according to the Spirit. Paul told the believers, reckon the old man to be dead. That old man, there in Romans 11, so often we we try to revive the old man. We want want him to take over because we think he's got some sense. No, he doesn't. That's what got you in trouble in the first place was listening to him until God woke you up. Reckon the old man to be dead. The old man will always insist on his own way. He doesn't care what Christ wants. It doesn't care what Jesus did. It doesn't even care what Jesus said. It just wants its own way. Paul said, reckon that man to be dead. You walk in the Spirit. Walk after the things of the Spirit, the things that please God, the things that show the work of God in your life. The flesh lusts against the Spirit, the verse says, and the Spirit against the flesh. They're contraries so that you don't always do the things that you should. As we all know, we all have lapses in faith. Many of us have lapsed into our flesh. At those times, we are exhibiting an attitude that is not what the Lord would have us to exhibit. Or maybe at that time that we're, we lapse into that, we're saying something that the Lord would not have us to say. Or we're doing something that we know the Lord would not have us to do. And if you're born again, if you're genuinely woke by the Spirit of God, then, then the Spirit of God is dwelling in you. In those particular times, it's when the Spirit of God speaks to my spirit. And he says, you know, Doug, that really doesn't glorify me. In fact, sometimes when I give in to my anger, you know, the Bible's very clear that the wrath of man does not exercise the, you know, the graciousness of God. It's when the Spirit speaks to me. And he goes, you know what? might want to second guess that. Walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. In his second epistle, Peter talked about those who have gone through the motion of reform. But not genuine repentance. And they try to clean up their act. I've seen this happen more times than I could shake a stick at. They, they go through that mo you know, I, I'm going to quit smoking. I'm going to quit smoking, I'm going to quit drinking and chewing and going with girls that do. I'm going to quit all that bad stuff. The women say, I'm going to quit wearing pants. <laughs> or I'm not going to wear so much bad. Whatever that thing is. In that passage in Peter, he acquaints those who have reformed, but not really born again, to dogs and pigs. Now using good hermeneutics we understand that in the Bible dogs and pigs always refer to unbelievers. And he says that the dog inevitably always returns to its own vomit. And the sow after having been washed always returns to its wallowing in the mire. Now the child of God who is born again whose spirit has been awakened and made alive, will find themselves in the warfare. You're in it, I'm in it now. The flesh against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh, and sometimes we will give in to the flesh. Thus, it is always important to remember that while any child of God very well may fall into a pig pen, only a pig is at home in it. Thus a child of God will come to his senses. He will once again turn to the Lord and to the ways of the Spirit. He will seek to get away from the flesh as fast as he can. And he will praise the Lord for the forgiveness, the love, the grace, the mercy that's been extended to us through his Son, Jesus Christ. Continue to walk In the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit, Paul says, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Thus when we fail the Spirit of God is there with us. As the song that we sang this morning, He will not let you fall. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delighteth in his way and though he fall he will not utterly be cast down for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. A righteous man falls seven times, but yea, he will rise again. Because it's the Lord who raises him up. There is restoration in Jesus Christ. There is forgiveness in the Lord to those who are genuinely born again. And if you're not, then you need to come to Christ. You need to plead with the Lord. Walk in the Spirit, Paul said, and you shall not Fulfill the lust of the flesh. Let us who are born again do exactly that. Let us move forward in the things of the Lord and in the things of the Spirit keeping our eye on the finisher, the author and the finisher of our faith. Let's pray. Father we love you and Lord we thank you for the admonition that we have through the Apostle Paul here to the Believers in Galatia, Lord, Father, to walk in a spirit which applies to us to this day. Lord, there are so many who fall prey so often to the things of the flesh, Lord, Father, because they genuinely have not been woke by your spirit. Or maybe, Lord, they made a profession of faith, and Lord, Father, they simply need a moving of the Holy Spirit. Lord, you said that if we would ask. So as everybody's praying this morning, and and whether you're sitting here or maybe you're listening some other way by radio or whatever, let me ask you a question. Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? In the Gospel of Luke, We're told that if you being mere men know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more will the Holy Spirit or the Heavenly Father give the Holy Ghost to him that ask him? Have you ever asked? Have you ever asked? So this morning, I don't know what's going on. I just want to pray with you. I'm not going to embarrass you in front of anybody. This is between you and the Lord. I just want to ask you, have you ever asked? I want to give you an opportunity this morning, as we go to prayer and and we close out, whether you're sitting here or whether you're listening by radio, I would just ask you, have you ever asked for the infilling of the Holy Spirit? If you haven't, raise your hand. I just want to pray with you this morning. Is there anybody here who's never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, you've never asked for it? anybody well praise the Lord then I'm going to speak to those who are listening by radio listen to my friends it is by faith Paul said that we receive the Holy Spirit ask and it shall be given so Father we come to you right now and we ask Lord Father that those who are listening Lord some of the way but Lord Father they're asking at this moment for the filling of the Holy Spirit. We ask that you would pour out your Spirit upon their life, Lord. That you would baptize them in the Holy Spirit. That you would give them a new awakening, Lord Father, to your Word. Give them understanding. That they would simply come to you, Lord Father, and then be able to walk in the Spirit. That they might know the joy and the peace that is in life with you. We love you. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, gang,